0: Martin Luther Sermons, House Apostles, Holy Christmas Day, Fourth Sermon, preached in the year 1534. Concerning the account of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, on this festival of the birth of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, we should preach and learn about the great and gracious act which God bestowed upon us by allowing God's Son to become a human being. Therefore, let us hear what the holy evangelists write about this event. First of all, we are told that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and announced to him that Mary would give birth to the Son of God. Then they reported that Joseph and Mary traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and that there Mary gave birth to her first son, in the stall where the cattle milled around them, for there was no room for them in the inn. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, watching over their flock by night. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth goodwill toward men. This is the story in history, which gives us the account of how our dear Lord Jesus Christ was born. A primary need for our young people, especially now, is to remember this account and adore it with sincerity of heart, so that they will never forget it it should teach them to thank and praise our Lord and God for His tremendous blessing that we poor, wretched, yes, also damned people have been granted this great honor of becoming one in flesh and blood with the Son of God. For no one less than the eternal Son of the Eternal Father, who alone created heaven and earth out of nothing, He it is, as we here we are informed, who became a human being and was born into this world just as we were, except that in His case, This all took place without any kind of sin being involved. That is why we can boast that God has become our brother, yes, part of our flesh and blood. This great honor has been granted to neither angels nor devils, but to us human beings. The angels are indeed more glorious creatures than we human beings, yet God has bestowed greater honor upon us and has joined himself closer to us than to the angels because he did not become an angel, but chose instead to become a human being. Now, if we human beings properly consider this fact, and if we could wholeheartedly believe this, then such inexpressible grace and blessing from our dear Lord God should give us every great joy and should drive us to thank Him with our whole hearts and move us to gladly obey His will and to live godly lives. When we were still under the papacy, they used to tell this story. Once upon a time the devil attended mass in a church where it was customary, in either the Lord's Prayer or in the Creed, to sing et homo factus est, that is, God's Son has become a human being. While they were singing this, the people just remained standing and did not kneel down. The devil was so incensed that he slammed his fist into one man's mouth, saying, You boorish bum, aren't you ashamed to just stand there like a post and refuse to kneel for joy? If God had become our brother as he did become your brother, our joy would be so great that we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves. That story may be pure fiction, but if so, then it was invented by someone who was very intelligent and who correctly understood the great honor which was bestowed on us. When God's Son became a human being in a totally different way from Adam or Eve, You see, Adam was formed out of the soil of of the ground while Eve was formed out of Adam's rib. But Christ was even more closely related to us because he was born from the flesh and blood of his mother, the Virgin Mary, in the same way that our human beings are born. With this one exception, the Virgin Mary was single when the power of the Holy Spirit came over her and God's Son was conceived without sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. Aside from that, he is just like we are, the son of a genuine natural woman. Adam and Eve were not born but created. God formed Adam from the soil of the earth while Eve was formed from Adam's rib. How much more Christ is like us since he is of the same flesh and blood that we have. We should truly treasure and cherish this fact and especially children and young people should treasure this from little on up and have this glorious fact engraved indelibly on their hearts that the Son of God has become flesh and that there is no difference between his and our flesh except that his flesh is without sin. You see, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and God so filled the flesh, body, and soul of the Virgin Mary with the Holy Spirit in such a way that no sin was present in her conception and caring of the Lord Jesus. Aside from that, everything was natural in his formation. Just like other people, he ate and drank, slept and awoke, was happy and sad. He became hungry and thirsty and got cold, just like other people. He experienced such and similar natural sensations and emotions, but he remained without sin. As St. Paul says, In all respects he was found to be a human being, exactly like us, a person who ate, drank, arose, walked around, experienced joy and sorrow, cold and heat and so on. This meant, of course, that he had to humble and humiliate himself a great deal. After all, it would have been a simple thing for him to become a human being just like he is right now in heaven. He has flesh and blood, just like ours, but does not do what we do. He could have done this from the very beginning of his humiliation, but he didn't want to do that so he could demonstrate and prove how great his love for us is. He wanted us to rejoice, to take comfort in, and boast of the fact that we have a brother in heaven, and cursed is any person who refuses to accept this brother, thus depriving his heart of this joy. That is the reason why this historical account is the theme of preachers every year. They make it the basis of their sermons so that every child can impress this mental picture on his heart and thank God for this gift and say, There is no reason for me to live in constant fear because I have a brother who has become a human being just like me. Why he was willing to let this happen and what he aimed to accomplish by it, namely to free us from sin and eternal death, I shall not discuss in detail today. Right now I want to tell you only about the honor that has been bestowed on the entire human race, an honor of which we can rightly boast and celebrate, namely that the Son of God has become a human being. All people can boast of this honor. However, only Christians can boast of something that is even greater. They will be able to boast of this birth to all eternity. Down here on earth, all people have the honor that God's Son has assumed their flesh and blood. But the spiritual and eternal fruit of this birth belongs only to Christians. That is the primary truth we should learn from this account. Second, we should learn to follow this striking divine example. For Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself the way he did in order to transfer all his glory to destitute human beings and on top of that also trans transferred to them his divine majesty before which the holy angels tr- holy angels tremble in awe, while he himself lives like a poverty-stricken beggar. Up in heaven the angels worship him, while down here on earth he becomes our servant and beds himself in our slimy sins and sinfulness. Now I say, because the Son of God has done this, we should learn from him to gladly and humbly pla- praise and glorify him and his word, suffering every kind of sorrow in imitation of him and so follow his example for what harm can befall us or why should we be ashamed of suffering after all our dear lord suffered cold and hunger and sorrow but when he came down to earth his life was especially filled with sorrow and poverty as we have told you In the stall there were no bedpans or any privacy whatsoever, no pillow, no diapers, no bedding. He had to lie in a manger beneath the cows and oxen. Think of it, my kinsman. Yes, my brother, the king of all creation in heaven and on earth, and all creatures in them, lies there in such wretchedness. Shame on me. Why am I so stuck up? Why do I want to be so high and mighty that I never want to suffer anything? If the king of glory suffers as he does for my sake who do I think I am anyway? Isn't it a fact that I am a poor sinner who does not even deserve to lie on bristle? But here I am lying on a bed of ease while my Lord lies there on the coarse straw in a manger for the cows. But isn't this a disgusting deal? Here we see the humiliation and poverty in which our Lord Jesus lies for our sake while we pretend to be aristocratic landowners who should get off with no punishment or suffering at all. The house hotel is filled with guests who sit in the seats of high honor. They also have a separate living room and bedroom, maid service, and home health care when needed. Meanwhile, the young virgin and Joseph are rudely shown to the barn where the cattle are sheltered. That is where she gives birth to the precious Son of God, the creator of the entire universe. Those are our abominable conditions under which which he was born.' We must clasp him to our hearts and confess, our Lord was born amid such misery and poverty, and eventually he died on the cross for our sakes. It makes no sense at all that we undeserving louts should enjoy eternal rest and peace, for a servant is not greater than his master. But sad to say, we don't recognize this. We just go on being troublemakers, twisted and gnarled gripers, always haughty and uppity, even though we see our Lord Jesus lying in such great poverty for our sake. But all we gain by our pride is useless, except to polish our shoes with it. That is why we should learn our lesson well and earnestly ponder the great honor that has been bestowed on us by Christ becoming a human being. For it is such a great honor that even if one were an angel, you would do well to wish that you were a human being so that you could boast, my own flesh and blood is greater than all the angels and blessed is every creature that is a human being. God grant that we understand this take it to heart, and thank God for this great gift. In addition, we should diligently study the example of Christ, what he manifested in his first advent to this earth, in that he suffered for our sake, so that we we too do our best to learn from him how to suffer. The Lord of all lords becomes a servant of all servants. We should follow that example and learn from our dear kinsman and brother to gladly help and serve other people, even when it becomes a burden for us and causes us to suffer a little bit in rendering that service. These two things we should note well, the account itself and the example it sets. To that end, may God help us by the Holy Spirit, through our dear Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Here ends Martin Luther's sermon. Fourth Sermon on Holy Christmas Day, from the year 1534.